Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. This is Kevin here, and I'm here today with Jeff and Shane. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? David's in the room. He's actually lying down at this moment, so... (laughs) Yeah. He's taking a break. He's done so many podcasts. I don't know if you've heard our other episodes. Resting and reflecting. That's right. <laughs> Resting and reflecting, he says. <laughs> well, um, I'm happy to have these two guys here today because I was dreaming up an episode that I knew these guys could help all of us learn from, myself included, and that's about how we can transition into new roles or handle promotions within our organizations. You are busting it. You're showing up. You're working hard. You're putting into practice all these principles at your current job with your current team, and you get that opportunity. You get that nod for the next opportunity, but you have an opportunity to destroy your opportunity to destroy it before you really get started, really. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still with that team you're leaving behind, and you are also trying to transition to something that's very new. And I think one of the tension points that sits big in my heart that I've experienced, and I wish I had these guys to pick their brain at the time, and that is, I do want to leave my other team in a good spot, but I also... How, how do I step into this new thing? I've never done it before. And I got the opportunity because I'm good at the thing I'm leaving behind. And I think I have, you can show up and be the new guy who, who, who says, I'm going to do everything. And you end up stepping on toes and offending people. You shooting down ideas you didn't even know the person next to you had submitted six months ago. And you're like, yeah, that was a terrible idea. And you're offending people who you didn't know had the idea. And I just wanted to say, hey, you two have done a co- couple of new things people don't know about. Shane moved into a new role at Chick-fil-A where he is now the director of organizational planning and where you used to be in the what the, the customer, customer experience. experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, obviously with North Point Ministries, started and grew Buckhead Church and then transitioned away from that church to start a new church within the organization called Gwinnett Church. And those are two different things, leaving one team, but also like leaving an entire, I would say, organization okay how can feel i'm sure leading the church so guys i have a couple questions for you um and and if you are new to launch university i do want you to know there are a couple posts we've already written in this area all right so one on our site is called three ways to get a promotion so if you're like kevin i wish this is my problem well you should go to our website we have a blog post called three ways to get a promotion this year and you will really enjoy it. Uh, if one of one of the folks in our archive, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're like, well, Kevin, I want to get a new job. Maybe you should be considering a career change. We talked about that on our on our uh, blog as well. And one of the other ones is, how do you know when it's time to quit or leave your job or look for another opportunity? That's also covered on our blog. So just a, a couple of things for you there. Um, so now we'll just jump right in. That's okay with you guys. Yeah. All right. My first question for both of you is. What do you do the first 90 days? I mean, I think that I'm just going to be really tactical. Like, what are you doing to leave well your, you know, for your other team? And what are you doing to onboard well in the new role? Well, this might be the entire podcast, actually, because I think <laughs> the first 90 days may be the most important aspect of any new role, new position, a move. I, I think, quite honestly, first and foremost is end well so you can begin well. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, you've probably, if you're out there, you've probably had a new opportunity and that is not like just instantaneously. It's kind of like, hey, in two weeks or six months or three weeks or four months, 
you're going to be taking on this new role. And immediately, where does your head go? To the new role. That's right. New ideas. And it's almost, it's so important to end well so that you can begin well. And the reason I think so is because as soon as the announcement is made, who do you think all those people are calling? Your old team. They're like, okay, Jeff's coming. What's he like? You know, what is he like? And how does he lead? And what does that look like? And was he, was he a good employee? And yes and no. And I think it's really important to end well with celebration and recognition of the of the folks that maybe have been working with you or maybe you just have a role where you're you just got some projects you need to really finish well Mm -hmm. so that you can begin with no baggage no misunderstandings on exactly what was required for you to leave that job well so that you can start fresh and new and have your thinking straight as you move into a new role that's awesome. And I'll give you some examples of that, too, because I couldn't agree more. But we're next door to Buckhead Church. Well, 15 years ago, it was just a vacant lot. And I left Chick-fil-A. And the whole idea was, we're going to do video church, and will this work? And it, you know, nowadays, video church is kind of a common thing. But back in those days, it was really this unknown, will it kind of work thing. So I, at the time, I think there were 70 people in the Chick-fil-A marketing department. I wrote every single one of them and the executive committee a handwritten note. I didn't say this, but basically I was inferring in the note, if video church doesn't work, can I come back? (laughs) And and I wanted to leave really, really well. And I put a two-month notice in. There was a big project that I was working on at a big event that seminar, like Chick-fil-A had, they used to call it seminar. And I just didn't want to leave, you know, in the middle of that. Uh, put a two-month notice in, but I wanted to leave so well that I honored the, as Shane was saying, I honored um, the people there. And and then when I left Buckhead Church, I, I hand-wrote a note to every staff person telling them how grateful I was for them. And for me, I just feel like that brings closure, but it also brings honor. And the challenge sometimes is if you don't have a good relationship with the organization or whatever, and you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to quit and move on. Sure, there are all kinds of circumstances, but sometimes you burn that bridge to your own detriment. Mm-hmm. And there's the, there's the old analogy that uh, be kind to people as you go up the ladder, because you'll, you may see them as you go down the ladder as well. And so I think this, this whole idea of honoring the people that you worked with that Shane's talking about is a really, really important way to begin well. Well, and to build on that too as well, Jeff, I mean, most of the time, you're going to have to go back to somebody that you worked with on another project, or you're going to need their influence. And I can't count, I mean, literally the number of times I've had to go back to an old team on a project, a new project that I have, and just say, hey, we're working together. You want to make sure that that relationship is intact. I just think that's good, sound business, and it's the right thing to do personally and professionally. And we, and it goes back to your personal brand. Yeah. You know, we've been taught a lot about personal branding and, and David's led out on that on the Launch University team. And and how you leave really determines more or dictates really more about your personal brand than it does the organizational yeah. brand. Yeah. Well, I think that also speaks a little bit to an inferred idea, right? That if you are climbing the ladder using some tactics that probably aren't very kind or ethical that's going to come back quickly too, right? Because I think the idea, like, hey, if you're if you're being underhanded, um, and I mean, obviously, I don't believe any of our listeners will do that, um, but if you are, it just kind of reminds you, like, oh yeah, there's a how I get that promotion does matter also. Yeah, odds are you got that promotion doing that, but odds are you won't get the next one doing that. That's right, because that will follow you. Yeah. Indeed. So, my, some other question becomes, how do you start well? So, we're talking about the onboarding process. So, you've, you know, you've 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 finished well. 
What are you doing to start well? It depends, obviously, on the organization. But that, that said, I think one of the most important things that you can do to start well is to start well relationally. Mm-hmm. Because you, and again, this may be different, but more often than not, the real pressure of the work hasn't happened yet. So you have the best time possible to build relationships. I remember when I started at Chick-fil-A, David Salyers, our mutual friend, told me, he goes, hey, this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Now, different organization, you know, all of that. That said, you usually, you usually don't have a whole lot of time once you get into the busyness of the, of the work to really focus on relationships. Obviously, we should always do that. But it seems like that first 90 days, if I had to pick or choose, I would say focus on the relationships over the work. Mm-hmm. While it may, that may seem a little bit odd. I've got a friend who's, who's, who's feeling that pressure right now. He's like, I want to get going and start doing something. And I'm like, hey, that, I know your organization and they're going to send work your way. But in the meantime, in these early days, really focus and get to know uh, the folks around your office. And I would just say one of the ways you do that is just walk around. Yeah, and I would, to build on that, Jeff, I mean, it's very well said. It's like, I think going in, we sometimes overestimate the importance of getting goals accomplished, business objectives, and we underestimate the value of personal relationships because it is in those personal relationships that gets all the work done. And if you don't spend time and the groundwork necessary to have conversations, I would even argue in the first 90 days, your first 30 days ought to be asking the people closest to the work what they would do differently. What's their after action review? What's been going well? What's not been going so well? What would you do differently? And build off of that. Build on ideas to that. That will set you up for your next 60 days extremely well. And again, it comes back to this premises. Sometimes we just overestimate what the organization's asking us to do in a short amount of time. And we underestimate the value of those relationships that can help us get there. Yeah, because you want to prove your worth and all that yeah, kind of stuff. I to- I, I totally get, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally get that. But I remember when I started at North Point, which is the the, the parent company, if you will, for Buckhead Church and other campuses. I, I mean, Buckhead Church was kind of going, but we, it was every other Sunday. So it wasn't like the pressure had really hit. And so I would, and this is hard for me as an introvert, I would actually breathe in and then go walk around the office you know, and just meet some people and get to know and then come back and breathe a little bit and to go do that again. And part of that was just, I needed to build relationships in, in that new environment. And if you get too fast into the grind of work, when you do have those conflicts, when you do have that, those decision-making opportunities or inner meeting, if you don't have the relational influence, it's going to make it really hard to get the work done. So I would think of the first 90 days as a relational influence deposit if that's what you want to build more than the work. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you're not formulating vision, you're not thinking about next steps, but this is really, really important. I think in the first 90 days, leveraging this idea of active listening. Yep. Typically, as a leader of a new function, you feel this responsibility to add value immediately. And in our rush to do so, Even in the midst of conversations, when we think we're listening, we try and add value to build on an idea versus tell me more, tell me more, say more about that. What else would you do? I mean, really actively listening to folks so that you can come back with the broadest breadth and understanding of literally what you're getting into. And it will begin to help shape what the next 180 days might look like or 270 days or 360 
that the first 90 days is critical in doing that. Yeah. And it's a really counterintuitive approach because sometimes you would think, no, I need to go in and add value. And so that's what they hired me for. Right. Yeah. But if you're the new kid on the block, if you will, and then you come into your first meeting and then you're just talking all the time, I think naturally for the rest of us, it's like, where, what do you know? You're exactly right. Everybody around the table, you know what they're saying? You're the new kid on the block. <laughs> they right. know it and right. you better know it. Otherwise you're going to set yourself up. So for I, I think if you talk, it should be in the form of a question yep. versus statements. So and one of my favorite examples of this comes from a book called, I've got to make sure I pronounce it here, <laughs> Get Your Ship Together. And is, it is about the admiral and commander, Michael Abershoff. And he took over what was, at the time, one of the worst battleships in the Navy, the U.S. Navy. And you think about all the processes and procedures, but he was literally worst. He took that ship from worst to first. And he did it over the course of a couple of years. But here's what was so powerful. In the first 90 days, he literally interviewed every single person on that ship. And this was what's cool. He had a microphone that was, you know, battleship wide, and he had it on his desk. And if somebody shared an idea with him that he thought needed to be immediately inputted into the system, he would literally push the intercom button and share. I'm with Jeff Henderson. He just shared an idea around stainless steel bolts for the ship so we wouldn't have to replace them every year. We could replace them every five years. I think that's a great idea. What do you think happened to his overall brand as an admiral of that ship? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just grew tremendously in a short amount of time. What it was, it was this combination of conversations and relationship building along with active listening. And again, I think it's a wonderful example of how powerful it is in the first 90 days to listen, listen well, and take all of that in and build relationships. That's really cool because for those who are long-term listeners, you probably know why Shane's so passionate about the topic. He actually talked about this on episode 56 about how to become a better listener. And I remember and I remember you talking about this idea of a listening coach. So if you want to dig deeper into listening, you need to go back to that. Uh, one of the things you both said, I think is really powerful also, that I think uh, for a lot of us who are maybe newer in roles or maybe, or, or maybe new leadership, is you, you kind of have this pressure, I think, as a new emerging leader to show you're capable of being a leader, right? You just got promoted from being a practitioner to being a leader, and you feel this, you know, this, you know, this pull to do that. But your first ninety days are probably the best time to be ignorant, right? Every, no one's going to judge you if you don't know what you're doing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm new to this role. I'm sorry. Like, I, that was kind of my thing when I worked when I first started at Orange. I, I used my first probably five months. You know, I'm new. I'm new, and I and I was just using. I mean, I was ringing that thing out. People are like, hey. Chill, Kevin. It's, you're way past that time now. But I just, but I just loved it because it allowed everyone to be to understand my questioning was not one of questioning their competence or their or their experience. It was literally he doesn't know, so let me help him. And and that puts me on the side of first of all humility, but also everyone's helping me. Every person. I mean, if you're in customer service, hey, how many calls we get a day here? I mean, there was no question I couldn't ask that would be perceived as an attack on anyone. Mm. And I think sometimes we, in our desire to get to results and proving our value, we miss an opportunity to be, to be publicly ignorant and, no, and everyone's in support of it. Like, yeah, no worries, man, I'll help you out. And so I think that's a really powerful idea as well. Well, one thing I wanted to make sure we got to was just some common mistakes. Like, so what are some of the common mistakes you've hit on a strategy um, for each of you and how you've approached it? But Jeff, so what are some of the common mistakes you've seen people make on your team even? when they get promoted and get a new opportunity in the organization? None, because a lot of my team listens to the podcast. So um, <laughs> they're, 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 
they're they're perfect. I I, I think uh, one of the, the probably the biggest is what we've been talking about is just is just zooming too fast into the work versus the relationships. And um, the uh, the other thing I think too is make sure that you're you're we all have insecurities, but that the insecurities don't bubble up uh, in in trying to prove your worth. So I would try to choose humility every chance I could get. Mm. And and the other thing too is there are relational dynamics that you're walking into that you have absolutely no idea what they may be, and so spend some time. Don't gossip, but just spend some time. What what are the relationship relational dynamics? And the best thing that you can do as well is to understand who it is that you're actually working with. If you don't understand their their personality makeup, how they approach things, then you're going to assume that maybe they're just not a nice person where actuality, they just think about it and approach work in a problem or situation just differently. It's not that they're a mean person. They just think of it differently. So anything that the organization may have, personality tests that, 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 that you can leverage on the team and help you understand who you're working with and anything that you can give the team that says, hey, here's who I am, here's what I am on the right path, or here's what I am on Myers-Briggs, anything like that that you can help to give people to let them better understand you uh, would be better. I think for me, I think maybe this assumption that you were given a new role, a new assignment, a new position because something was wrong or something wasn't being done well, Hmm. that is a fault, that's a dangerous assumption. Oftentimes, you know, I've been brought into teams that were going really well, and um, I think the first thing to do is to acknowledge and to celebrate, and Jeff does a really good job of this. I've seen David do a really good job of this, and that is specifically acknowledging the former leader publicly. Mm-hmm. Like now, now, only when it's appropriate, but acknowledging their leadership and how they've brought this team along and how privileged you are to be in this place at this point in time. And I think that's really, really important. And it's sometimes it's a common mistake. You think, oh, I'm here because things aren't going well. You may be here just to test your ability to keep things going well the way they currently are. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I know that stands out to me is, you know, early in my career, um, I still feel I'm pretty early in it, but earlier in my career, I thought that my hard work and the value of my, and the, the creativity or merit of my ideas was enough. Um, and I and I really do credit Dave Ramsey's organization for teaching me what it means to lead. But with that being said, you're going to be running in there sharing a lot of ideas, and you'll probably be opening your mouth about some at some point about things you think could happen. Even if it's just you bringing to the leadership the ideas that the people on your team shared with you when you were doing your interviews. And this is kind of my organic opportunity to mention. We know that's a real challenge, which is why we create an elevator pitch. We, we, we know that at the end of the day, there are so many opportunities that are intentional based on a presentation to your leadership or to your team or just organic in the hall when you're riding the elevator with one of your colleagues that you will be sharing an idea or initiative that your team's working on, you're cultivating, and how you present it with the words you say will always be the first iteration of how it shows up in everyone's minds. Let me build on that. Build on it. I know you're going down this path. Go for it. But at the end of roughly 90 days, this new team will have an expectation to hear from you. Like, okay, Shane, it's been great. You've been listening and appreciate that, (laughs) but where are we headed? And if you can't succinctly communicate that, 
and share that and cast that vision over and over and over in a variety of different settings, it's going to be, it'll be challenging over the course of the next year because you'll have to go back and revisit this conversation over and over again. So I would encourage you, get, get that presentation down. Get your elevator pitch. And we have a resource. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's called elevator pitch because at the end of the day, using minimum words to get maximum results is not only the promise of the product and the resource, but it's really the mandate to put on yourself. Because if when I talk with lots of language, the assumption is I don't understand what I'm talking about. That means that's the reality. The reality is you don't get it because you can't explain it. And it's like, no, 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 I really don't. Actually, I understand it so well, I'm trying to give you too many details. But the reality for all of us is that as launchers, communicating our idea is required. And what we want to make sure you do is that that the bad communication does not weigh down your idea and that what you and your team are working on, what your organization is working on, it is communicated compellingly, effectively, and succinctly as well. And I'll give you an example of that. When you are a new employee, new staff member, new team member, and you're walking around and you introduce somebody to, I mean, somebody introduces themselves to you, here's the question they're going to ask you. So what do you do around here? That's right. What's your new role? We didn't have you. They probably wouldn't say this. We didn't have you, but they're thinking, we didn't have you before. Why do we need this position? What do you do? If you kind of ramble on and on and on, they kind of walk away probably thinking, what, now why did, why did we hire that position? And so I think you should have a elevator pitch for this is why I am here. And as Albert Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. So that's why we call it elevator pitch. So if you, I mean, at Chick-fil-A, y'all literally have elevators. If you get on the elevator and Dan Cathy walks in and goes, oh, so you're a new employee. So what do you do here? You've only got five floors to tell Dan Cathy what you do. That's right. So it's not like some massive idea that you're trying to launch a business on, which would be great. But you could use elevator pitch just especially in those first 90 days, because that you're probably going to get this question in the first 90 days more than any other past that, which is, so what do you do around here? Why did we hire you? I just heard a content, a copywriter tell me, I said, so, so what do you do? He said, well, I write the words that make us money. Love there it. There you go. I, I, I was, got that I, real I mean, quick. I mean, I was, I just, I just had a big smile on my face. Yeah. Like that was so well said. Yep. And I mean, I, there's nothing else to say after that. Minimum words, but maximum results. Indeed. Well, with that being said, I do want to make sure we transition and kind of close this. I've, couple more questions for both of you. One is just any quick tips or guidelines when you get a new role with the same employer. And then the follow up is going to be any new tips when you maybe get a new role promotion with a new employer, because some of those do have some different contexts. So Shane, we'll talk with you maybe with, with uh, same employer. I think one of the best practices that I've done on probably three separate occasions, anytime I've gotten a new role, I've asked a couple trusted former teammates to sit in a room with new teammates i remove myself from the room and i say all i want you to do is talk about what makes shane tick what is he like what doesn't he like i don't want to be in here i just want real conversation to happen Mm. then come back in the room and evaluate. Now, here's what we captured because it's all anonymous, right? It's all anonymous. Hey, Shane, this is this is what we captured as your strengths. React to that. This is what we captured as your weaknesses. React to that. And then it gives me a chance to go, okay, so 
Thank you for that. It gives me an opportunity to thank the former team and to thank the new team for going through an exercise. But it gives them a chance to ask the questions that maybe they were afraid to ask or might be afraid to ask in front of me. Wow. And that's, you know, if you have an opportunity to lead people, I think that is a great exercise to go through with a team because it wow. gives them the freedom to ask some questions maybe they were afraid to ask. Pause right there. Guys, this, this is why we do this podcast because the. Someone's walking through Chick-fil-A. I'm just going to say it. Someone's walking through Chick-fil-A saying, man, that Shane Benson guy, I like him. You know, he's just like a really nice guy. I mean, I wonder what, it, what is about him that he's got him in this role. It's, those, it's, it's this. I mean, it, I'm, I'm being honest. This, this is the secret sauce that every emerging leader is dying to understand. Is like, what is making these individuals who I see who are rising and seem to be so nice and yet seem to be, what are they doing? It's things like, it's, it's, that's a very bold move. I'm, I'm going to be straight up like that to mm-hmm. me. Speaks so much about you, but that is mind blowing that a leader would say, "I'm going to do that before you work with me," because I mean, because I'm I'm going to intentionally allow someone else to put an idea of who I am in your mind that I can't control. Now, it's personal brand, it's reputation, but I'm going to encourage that interaction instead of hoping that I can invent something I want you to believe about me. I'm going to own that I don't control my reputation and put it in someone's hands. That's so awesome. Well, not only that, it's it's one thing to invite those people into the room and you stay in the room. Yes. <laughs> but when you leave the oh room, now what Shane didn't tell you, you had a recorder in the room. <laughs> so, no. I will say the very first time I did, this is really interesting. Very first time I did, I'll never forget. Wow. I came in, I was a little shocked actually. Because wow. you hope it's all good. <laughs> but there was actually a comment on the wall and it said, Shane loves to brainstorm and share his ideas. And I was like, okay, tell me more about that. Well, what it got into was I can over, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. And that was the phrase that was used. And it was like, thank you for that. So what I hear you saying is I need to be a little bit careful about jumping out there and sharing ideas. I need to do more listening. And that's what got me on this path of wanting, really striving, continuing to work to be a better listener. But I would have never gotten that. No one would have ever said that if I'd have been sitting in the room. Mm. So. Wow. All right. So, Jeff. I would also t- say, and that was fantastic, by the way, I would also remind you if you're married and have a family, this is also a change for them. Mm. And so because of that, this could be a tumultuous time. It could be a very positive time, but you just, when you come into a new situation like this, there's just a little bit added pressure. Yeah. So I would ramp up the date nights. I, if your kids are old enough, I would actually invite them into the decision-making process, especially if you're going to move. Uh, like for me, one of the things, Wendy and I, we had an opportunity to, to leave and go to another church. We knew that we wouldn't do it, but we invited our kids in to make the decision. Hey, what do you, what do you think? You, would you want to move here? And uh, it was interesting, just the feedback that we got from our kids. And this was just a really helpful process for them to kind of walk through. So I say all that to say, you can get so focused on the job that unknowingly your marriage and family can suffer or be neglected in these 90 days. So I would try to ramp up that or just be cognizant of it and just invite them into the process. And even if you're not married, the friends and the family and the relationships you have, just make sure that they're cognizant of this season as well. Because typically what happens in the first 90 days, it's 100% work and and 0% personal life. And then that's how things can get out of balance. Man, that's great. That's uh, awesome. Well, terrific. I have nothing else to say with that. That's a perfect way to close this. So if you are a first-time listener or even a long-time listener, we want to thank you for your time. But we also would love to help you grow on the go. And that happens best 
by you subscribing to the podcast. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, we love to subscribe. We'll come right to your phone every Thursday. Uh, in addition, um, we would love for you to actually leave us a rating and review. Uh, as you can tell, this group uh, doesn't over. We don't really shy away from feedback, so we would love <laughs> to uh, invite you to do the same. We want to hear how we can improve. Tell us how Shane's doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jeff. <laughs> and, I mean, and sincerely, actually, one of the things I've been working on for those who are listening, I talk really fast. So working on my cadence and my speed is a thing. If I'm, if I'm doing a little better, I love to hear it. If I'm things I can work on, I love to hear it. Um, so I'm welcoming that feedback as well. Uh, in addition, we create show notes. So that's a part of our service to you. We know you're probably listening to this podcast while you're driving, while you're commuting, working out, doing yard work. Uh, something of that nature. If you're David Farmer, it's while you're napping. So he's, <laughs> there we go. Um, currently napping. Rest and reflect. <laughs> rest and reflect. He says. All right. All right. Love well, it. well, we would love to actually help you by going to our website. We've provided summaries of all the shows. We provide some takeaways. We provide some key quotes, links to resources. Uh, we want to make it easy for you to reference something you heard in the podcast uh, with limited work to you. And lastly, our newest thing, I'm really excited about this, and that is the opportunity for you to leave us an actual question that we can tackle for you. We know that if you are a leader emerging or established, the reality is you may not feel comfortable going to some people around you about what you're struggling with, a question you have, and you would love to be able to get that question to someone else, have them thinking with you, having some thinking partners, as uh, Shane's mentioned before on the podcast. We are up for that challenge with you. So you can email the question. You can actually call a phone number. Uh, we have it on the website, and we also have a web uh, you can record the question on the website. So launch university. That's wow. You university.com forward slash question. We have three ways you can leave that message with us. Obviously we would love to hear your lovely voice, but we understand sometimes it just feels a little too intense to do that. So there's a form there for you as well. Um, our goal is to put those questions together in the future and do a Q and a episode where we are actually answering your questions directly. Um, well, on behalf of Jeff, Shane, David, and the team, uh, we want to thank you again for listening, and we uh, look forward to having you join us next time on the Launch University Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.